All right, cool. How you doing? Good, man. Thanks for having me on. And first off, I gotta say, thank you for the running dress game inspiration. Um, ever since you started posting, man, that's how I, I found you and followed you, dude. My whole probably spent like thousands of dollars at Nike, but <laughs> dope. <laughs> Love it. Thanks, man. I'm so humbled right now, and I can't say thank you enough. I never ever thought that I'd be in this position where I am right now. I'm not sponsored, Nike. If you're hearing this, hey, uh, yeah, this is... sponsor my man. <laughs> Thanks, man. I appreciate it. You know what? Let's start there. Let's talk about you as an athlete. You used to wrestle, and you come from a dynasty yeah. of wrestlers. Yep. So uh, my uncles, my dad, um, they're all known in this area, uh, Pittsburgh, where we all grew up as wrestlers, come from a wrestling family. The name Herbert is synonymous, synonymous with wrestling here. Uh, my cousin, uh, Olympic wrestler, and uh, I wrestled till I was about, um, what would that be, 11? No, ninth grade um, till junior high. Pretty competitive. I was a good wrestler. I was on like the starting team uh, for junior high. And uh, I had to choose between wrestling and hockey. I also played hockey uh, just as long. And uh, hockey was a little bit more fun. So I think I, I skated that way, no pun intended. <laughs> Did you wrestle in high school as well? Or no? no, 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 just junior high. So uh, till, up until ninth grade. So our middle school was sixth to eighth grade. And then I stopped right after eighth grade. What was your weight class? I was a lightweight. I was like 115, I think. Yeah, I was a tiny little guy, <laughs> but I, I wrestled up weight, believe it or not. So like all my friends were like cutting and stuff and like I was just eating whatever and I was still like seven, eight pounds underweight every time. I was just strong. I was pretty strong. Um, so I was able to just do that and, and be competitive. My freshman year of high school, I was 200 even. I also wrestled. I cut down from 200 to 180, wrestled 179 and heavyweight. I lettered my freshman year and that's it. I'm done. Like I can't do it. I don't want to do it anymore. <laughs> no, uh, no, I don't blame you. It's a grueling sport, man. Grueling. But wrestling was or wasn't your first love because you started with music relatively young. Tell me about that. I would say like wrestling um, and hockey, you know, sports was kind of my thing. And I kind of had this combative dream of like being a uh, champion wrestler and then playing in the NHL. So I kind of had hmm. these two things till. I was about 10 years old and I've always loved music. My grandfather would always sing. He was in a band and music was all around me. I used to drive around, uh, you know, with my mom and she would play like Motown music, like the Temptations and all this fun stuff. And then my dad would play like all kinds of rock and classic rock stuff. So I had this uh, great uh, passion and taste for music, but it wasn't until uh, fifth grade, a friend of mine brought in a guitar for show and tell. If you remember those yeah, <laughs> the oh, show yeah. and tells and, um, I remember seeing it and it was a black Fender Stratocaster. I was like, that is so cool. And it was like, it's like, you know, when you see something, you're like, oh, I meant to do that. It was like this connection I can't even explain. And um, I immediately went home that day and I was like, hey, can we go buy a guitar? My parents were like, no. <laughs> and uh, they're like, maybe for, you know, Christmas or something. And that Christmas I got my first guitar and it was like at 10 years old, it was like a, uh, really it was like a costco acoustic guitar it was like the full kit you know just like the strings were all like wonky and like but i was so happy and um i immediately got lessons uh the following month and um just started learning chords and immediately started writing my own songs just like creatively i don't know where it came from and um i've always liked art as well i always uh like would paint at a young age and stuff like that so i think maybe that uh, creative outlet I saw in music and um, I wouldn't even want to learn 
other songs. Like I just wanted to make my own little stories and songs. And that's kind of how I gained a passion for that. And it was always like, I was the, the guitar guy and like the singer on, on my hockey team, like all the road trips and stuff. Like I'd always have my guitar as I got older and everyone's like, yo, do you like sing us a song? And I'd have these co- concerts with like high school, like my buddies and like, they all be like, yeah, yeah. And I'd be playing these ridiculous songs. And uh, I was like that guy on the team. All right. I want to knock out this intro real quick. And so we can dive yeah. into music. What's up y'all. Welcome to the state for the stories podcast. I'm your host, Jacob Elijah joining me today, musician, singer, songwriter, Former wrestler, hockey stud, content creator, TikTok influencer, father, husband, Josh Herbert. Hello, hello. Thank you for having me on. There it is, man. Did you take to music relatively easily? It sounds like you picked up a guitar and it was meant to be, and that was a calling for you. Fortunately, in my life and my experience, I'm 31 now, going to be 32 next month. Uh, Anything I get into or like uh, I feel real passion for I try not to like perfect but just my my nature if I'm passionate about something I want to be like the best I want to like not to say I'm the best I just get so involved in it I like it just encompasses my whole world um so there's no way not to get pretty good at it or immerse you know immersive in it um so I'd say like I just I really found a passion for it and my that goal that was always in the back of my head to be like an NHL star, be a championship wrestler kind of then I was like, I'm going to be a famous singer, you know? And it was just, it's always been this weird, like, I want to make something out of what I love, you know, and share it with people. And uh, I what a better way of music. But what's funny about that is uh, when I started playing music, that's just about the time. Um, and we can dive a little bit more into it. If you want, I have, I'm open about it and I have panic disorder. I've had it since I was 10 which is crazy because that's when I started playing music at 10 years old. And I would always combat. I had like bands and stuff, but I was always scared to play in front of people because I would get these panic attacks. Um, and as I got older, I've had better tools to deal with it and stuff. But that, that really is what really set me back. I would say, well, not really set me back, but took me longer to learn more about myself and, and be successful in music because a lot of opportunities I just, shied away from because I was too afraid to play in front of people. Um, even talent shows, I would get so sweaty and just like, I'd go out there and I just be pale as a ghost and you get through it and stuff. But I was like, Oh, is this worth it? If I feel like this all the time, but you know, it's, uh, I think that a lot of musicians have anxiety and, and deal with that because there's a lot of pressure there. And I think that's really like when I started doing music, open that kind of door of anxiety and pressure, because now you're really, exposing yourself to other people and I think it can be a bit overwhelming sometimes did you feel like you were under the spotlight both as a musician growing up and as an athlete I can relate mostly to the athlete part of it because even as a wrestler it's just you on the mat I'm curious to learn more about how you kind of battled that growing up I guess too not only music uh speaking of wrestling it's just you and I remember I mean I was fairly young I I feel like I would have had it more if I competed at the high school level and on um but even at my tournaments and stuff I would get like knots in my stomach it wasn't maybe it was but I didn't quite identify it yet as anxiety because it was so new to me I I just felt like nervous you know and it wasn't a good nervous it was kind of like oh like am I prepared for this like am I good enough am I going to get hurt am I going to get pinned um so definitely there was a lot of pressure um as a wrestler whereas 
hockey, I, I had that, but I was so confident in hockey. I mean, I, I, I like say this lightly, but I was a very good hockey player and I was always one of the better ones on the team. So that confidence really where I didn't have that confidence in wrestling per se um, really helped me shine on the ice. But there was a lot of times I would um, get anxiety playing hockey in different situations and it affected my gameplay, um, whether it was like outside stuff affecting or anything like that. But um, it was a bit different than wrestling because wrestling is just you where hockey you could be like, oh, well, you know, it was the goalies fault or, you know, it was the, the defense didn't show up today. You know, there's a lot of other people you can blame in wrestling. It's just you. You either show up or you don't. So, let me ask you this: Did you feel an added pressure at all coming from a family of wrestlers? For sure. I mean, my especially my cousin. I mean, you know, my family had the name, and and wearing that name on your back, there's a lot of pride there, especially where we come from. Mm-hmm. Um, and my cousin being just such a great wrestler, like that's you know, through my childhood, he was my hero, kind of like a brother. We lived in the same neighborhood um great person still you know in contact with them almost daily and um a hero of mine but you know it was almost like I was in his shadow in a way um nothing negative but um he was just so great at his you know at his sport and just so well known and people would get intimidated being like oh he's he's Jake's cousin you know Herbert and I would go out on the mat and I was like don't mess with him yeah don't mess yeah, with people him. thought yeah. I was like this crazy superstar wrestler like just a freak like my cousin so good and um I was okay you know I by no means was I an undefeated wrestler like him or anything but um there was a lot of pressure that came with that pride of the last name for sure um and uh my other cousin wrestled heavyweight as well but he was he was fairly good wrestler but I didn't compete as long as those guys and like I said I think the pressure would have built a little more if I followed into high school and it got very competitive because um, our high school wrestling here in Western PA is super competitive. Um, so yeah, I'd say, you know, if I would have done it longer, I think I, I think I was still at the cusp where I was young enough where it wasn't so serious um, yet and competitive yet, but um, yeah. Did you and your cousin Jake ever wrestle each other like competitively? Oh my God, no? <laughs> never. No, he, uh, he's five years older than me okay. um, and probably a hundred pounds more than <laughs> not a hundred pounds, but he's uh, I'm, I'm dripping wet. I'm like 150 right now. And he's uh, he's probably right under 200. Uh, he wrestled like 184 competitively, just so massive, just a giant ball of muscle. Um, he could just put me in a lock with like one arm. Just <laughs> we would we would mess around. Uh, long story, but I helped. I lived with him when he trained for the Olympics and oh, like, wow. documenting it because I do like stuff like that. And I did a little film documentary and, and photos and stuff. And we would toy around and like he would just. I mean, he's in Olympic shape and would just like mess around with me, not even trying. I was like, oh my gosh, like I I can't even imagine competing at this level. Wow. That's crazy. I want to dive into film, documentary, photography. Walk me through you as a creator being behind the lens. It's crazy, man. I'm like in everything, similar to you. It's just like all this kind of stuff. And um, around the time, um, I guess it was like really when I was trying to like pursue like with my bands in high school and stuff and kind of wrestling took, you know, kind of was done with that. And it was just like hockey and music. I would go around and I was trying to shoot these music videos and like, nobody could shoot them. I'm like, I'd find these friends like, yo, can you shoot a music video? No one could do it. So my dad got me a camera. It was like a Nikon something that shot video. It was like real, just low budget camera. And I would set it up and like shoot like music videos that were just terrible. 
um, with me and my friends. And like, I would take our band pictures and like set it up and like have my mom like snap it or like somebody snap it for, uh, it was called Pure Volume was a site back in the day. Everyone would do music on in MySpace and um, got into it that way because I was kind of, it was a creative outlet too, because I had control of like, oh, this is what I was. I had like a direction of like how I wanted mm. the music video to be like me up front playing, you know, and <laughs> all this stuff. So I think it was a control thing really. But then I found a passion in that because there was a creative side of it. Like, oh, I, I want to, I want the photos of our band to look this certain way. And I want the cinematography or like the direction of this video to be that way. Um, and so I think that's how I got into the, that space of art. And I, I did a, uh, art degree in college where I did a lot of like photography and um, played hockey as well and stuff like that. And then it was after college, I was still kind of doing the same thing or in college, I was having my hockey teammates film me playing guitar for like YouTube covers and stuff. And like, I'd set it all up, set the lights up and then I'd edit it in final cut later. Um, and still was like doing my own pictures and everything like that. So it was just like another outlet um, creatively that I really enjoyed. And now I have like a great um, model in my wife, uh, you know, to take pictures of. So there's even more reason uh, to be involved in it. And it's kind of in our lives as social media, you know, influencers and stuff like that. Like we create our own content. So, you know, we've got really nice equipment now and just like super grateful we can, you know, do that. And I can use this passion as well uh, amongst the other ones. I like that you wear many hats. That's so relatable. Yeah, thank you. Before we get into Abby, TikTok, and content creation now, let's take a step back and talk about you as a musician. Yeah, so at 10 years old, about a month later, I started taking lessons um, from this awesome guy, uh, Wayne, who I'm still in contact today. Um, I don't take lessons anymore, but um, he's a local guy and I see him around. Um, he really just like helped me so much, uh, taught me the basic chords and stuff, and I would go twice a week um, for lessons. I think they were like hour lessons. Um, and we would actually go in there and, you know, I'd bring songs like, what do you want to learn? I bring like Red, Red Hot Chili Pepper songs. I was going to say, yeah. Stuff like this. Yeah. What was your inspo at 10, 12, 15? Yeah, gosh. I mean, it was like crazy. I was listening to all kinds of like emo bands at the time. A lot of like Dashboard Confessional, um, Red Hot Chili Peppers, but then like a lot of classic rock and stuff like that. And like the, Be the Beatles, of course. Um, so I kind of had like just this whole mesh of things, but um I was always so serious. I was like, oh, music, I'm going to be a famous singer. And where we were, not only were we competitive in this area with like music, but it was like everything. Then there was all these bands, right? And it was like these battle of bands that would come on. And um, I started a band, gosh, probably, probably around 12 years old uh, when I started recording my own music and I started a band and uh, with another friend of mine and uh, we had, a, you know, I played drums and sang actually because no one, we couldn't find a drummer. So I got a drum kit and he was guitar, found my friend who played bass and we just had struggled finding a drummer. So I sang lead vocals and played the drums. Um, and we had that band for like a while and, and through high school, uh, didn't tour or anything. We would just play like locally at parties and stuff. Um, and then for me, it was kind of like, I was fully in uh, with music, like kind of going into college. Uh, there was an app called Viddy. I don't know if you remember it. It was prior to Vine and prior to TikTok. It was like the very first, I guess, video, short form content video app. And it was called Viddy. And I would post these covers on there um, and they just started taking off. And I started to get like a following on Viddy. And this is 2000, gosh, uh, I'm dating myself now, 2009 maybe. 
Um, I was like a freshman or sophomore in college. Yeah, because Vine, and, what, uh, 2012, 2013? Yeah, when, right when Vine came out, it killed Viddy. And I, I started to go on Vine, but I didn't get on it as soon as it came out. So I just kind of fizzled in that regard. But um, I would start doing like covers on, on that app and on YouTube. And these covers would start taking off on YouTube. And I really got like a, a fire under my butt, you know, to start pursuing it. Um, so I was writing songs and recording my own songs in my college dorm room whilst playing hockey, whilst getting a degree and, uh, had friends who were like in Nashville and being successful. And, um, it was like really, uh, inspiring. Cause I was like, wow, if they can do it, you know, maybe I can do it too. And, um, all my teammates were like, dude, you're, you're crushing my music. Like no one would ever tell me like, you're going to make it to the NHL, man. Like I would, I was always told like, dude, you're too small. Like you're never you know, you're never going to make it there. And like wrestling, kind of like the same thing. And, but with music, everyone's like, you're amazing. Like, you're so good. I was hearing that from like these hockey players who are like, you know, in sports, like your teammates can be ruthless to you and just like really, you know, settle you down quick. And tough they critics, all, yeah. Yeah. Tough love. And like, dude, they were all like, man, like you're awesome. Like keep going. Like they would hype me up and they're like, dude, I showed you to all my buddies. Like they think you're great. And so it was super inspiring to hear that. I'm like, maybe there is something here. And, uh, I wasn't the best singer. I've never been trained singing, but I just had a passion for it and a drive. And I think if you have those two um, ingredients, you can do anything you want, you know, and I stayed positive and it was a long, windy <laughs> road of ups and downs, uh, trying to be successful and um, spent months at a time sleeping on a couch in Lower East Side, Manhattan, um, took a bunch of trips, you know, here and there to Nashville and uh, randomly, through the, through the wrestling world, actually, um, which is crazy, I got uh, a chance and an opportunity to open for the uh, Dixie Chicks, now known as the Chicks. Um, and that was kind of like, I made it at that point in my head. I was like, wow, my, my dream is finally coming true. And then I got the call and got confirmed. And I was like, wait, I can't really play in front of people. And I kid you not, like, I was playing shows here and there, but in front of like 40 50, maybe a hundred people, maybe like twice a month. And now I'm going to be playing in front of potentially about 20,000 or more. Um, <laughs> so that's kind of like, it was a weird road and it's crazy how it happened. Walk me through that experience with the Dixie Chicks. This guy, Martin Strayer, who's still a great friend of mine, uh, been in the music industry for a long time. Uh, his father was an all-American wrestler at Penn State. Um, so he follows wrestling avidly. He was a wrestler himself. And, uh, I think it was at a tournament or something. Um, another friend of Jake and mine, uh, Marky McKnight, who was a wrestler, I believe he, I don't, you know, I don't quote me. I don't know if he wrestled at Penn state. He might've, um, great wrestler as well, but, um, knew Marty and they were at like a, a tournament somewhere and Marky McKnight knew like I was pursuing music and stuff and saw Marty and Marty's married to Emily from the Dixie Chicks, um, as well as him being in the music industry as well. And uh, he was like, hey, Jake Herbert's cousin, Josh, does music. I don't know if he's any good, but I know he's trying to pursue it and stuff. And Marty's like, dude, send me his stuff. Like, I'll listen to it. And um, actually, Jake called Marty out of the blue. And uh, Marty tells the story. It's funny. And he's like, picks up the phone. And Jake's like, hey, Marty, like, this is Jake Herbert. And Marty's like, wait, Jake Herbert, like wrestling Jake Herbert? And that's kind of like how they started talking. And Jake's like, yeah, my cousin, man, he's like really doing well at music. And I had stuff like blowing up on Facebook, like doing covers and he was getting crazy views. 
And uh, he's like, I don't know if he's any good. Cause like Jake's like, I don't listen to music. Like Mark, he doesn't like listen to music like that, you know? And he's like, but I know he's pursuing it. And um, now this, at this point, I had been writing songs for gosh, like 10 years or so. I had just like compiled of stuff and uh, Marty got in contact with me. He's like, Hey man, send me some stuff. And he called me like probably as soon, maybe like a couple hours or the day after I sent him my first email with a couple songs. It's like, dude, you're incredible. We need to get you down to Texas and like write and, and produce. He's like, I can't believe like you're not huge yet. I was like, I was just like taken aback at that point. I was done with college and I was working for my family business in the, in the office. They do home building uh, in the area. And so I was just like working there doing music on the side, you know, and, or should I say working on the side, doing music full time. But um, yeah. And then uh, lo and behold, a month or two later, I was in San Antonio, Texas, uh, staying at one of their houses, writing with him and his wife um, came back after that trip. It was about a week long and, um, cut and recorded my first 10 song album. It peaked at number 30 on the songwriting charts on iTunes, just me pushing it on Facebook. And that was pretty much the only social media form uh, back then in 2015, whenever I pushed it and uh, it did really well. And um, it was some great songs on there. I mean, I listen to it now and it's like, it's a piece of my history, but a lot of it's like, I'm like, I kind of cringe at, you know, it's like your old work. Um, but I go back to that time and I was so driven during that, that first album, it's self-titled uh, Josh Herbert and um, 10 song album, man. And I recorded with this local guy, Jay, who owned the Wilderness, uh, Wilderness Studios, became a great friend of mine. It was just like a really cool, weird period of time in my life where it's like documented. Um, and uh, yeah, it's pretty crazy. Wow. Oh, man. and then, and then, yeah, shortly after that, um getting to opening for the the chicks um came out with that and just had a fire on me it was like playing more shows than usual and then uh, came out with a five song ep not too long after the album drop and then there was talks like hey the chicks are going on tour you could potentially open from marty and, and his team and i was like i don't yeah okay you know i'm just this this kid from pittsburgh man like just playing these bars in the south or uh, south side of pittsburgh for nobody literally like my uncle and my parents came to a show. It was so embarrassing. That was, they were the only ones there and, uh, you know, rooting for me. So thank you for that. But, um, it was called the smiling moose. So if you live in Pittsburgh, it's like everyone, everyone's played there. It's like this grungy bar, but it's like, you got it. It's like one of those places you pay your dues at. Um, and, uh, yeah, I got, got the call one day from the Dixie chicks agent. He's like, hey, Josh, you know, congratulations. You're on board for 21 shows opening for the Dixie Chicks. And I was just kind of like, I remember, dude, too. I, w- I was actually running that day. Wow. Um, and I stopped mid, mid-run. Mid-run. Ooh. Um, mid-run. The best news, mid-run. Because I was, like, waiting on this news. And he's like, you're going right. to get a call from this guy. So, like, I was, on, I was on a high. I was, like, running. I was feeling good. And he called. And he's like, not only that, you're going to be playing Madison Square Garden. Wow. And as soon as he said that, I was just like, Oh, and then um, he called back uh, shortly after. He said, like, hey, man, sorry, I, I didn't mean to like get your hopes up, but I think they're going to have someone else come in for the Madison show, but you still have all t- other 20. I was like, dude, that's fine. You know, I was like, oh, dude, totally. <laughs> yeah. like but then uh, for sure, I, I played Madison Square Garden. Um, so wow. whoever was going to open there. Um, yeah, so went from pretty much nothing to full bore, fully immersed into it, had to get like in-ears, uh, for my head monitors like get all the good stuff like get all the gear um my dad 
bought an RV and he was a tour bus driver. That's so cool, It was cool, absolutely, dude. yeah, crazy, insane story. Um, so he drove around all across the country, played two shows in Canada, Vancouver and Toronto. And uh, yeah, it was just uh, an amazing experience in my life. That's such a great story, man. That's so cool. It sounds like your family have always been very supportive of you as an artist. Do any of your family members, are they also artists, musicians, songwriters? It's pretty funny. There's pretty much no one in my family that does music or anything. My grandfather played drums and sang actually in a, uh, like a wedding singing band, you know, in like the fifties and stuff growing up. Um, but nobody like was like, Oh, had an instrument around or anything like that. But my grandfather would always sing a lot. Um, and music was always part of that family. And everyone on my mom's side of the family loves to dance and anytime music's on, especially like the Motown stuff and, you know, that vibe, like everyone like loves it. And it's just like, so I think it's just like something that's, it was always inherently in me. And it's funny because my dad's side's completely opposite. Everyone's like athletic, strong, like, you know, just these like, you know, construction worker guy, you know, that's mm -hmm. just like always been like that persona, that side of my family. Um, but, but this generation, like some of my cousins, I have a lot of uh, female cousins, very creative um, on that side of my family, as well as my mom's side of the family. So, um, but yeah, as far as the generation of like my dad, my mom, like nobody, like there was music just wasn't there. Not even my, I have two older sisters, um, eight years and five years older than me and neither of them know music or anything. Like I think my, my middle, or yeah, my middle sister had, uh, she had a clarinet for a while growing up, but it didn't last long. So that was about it. Do you play any other instruments outside of guitar and drums? Pretty much. I produce everything. So I play like piano and, wow. and through that, you know, you can make your keyboard nowadays, any instrument you want. Um, it could be trumpet or, or what have you, but um, yeah, in high school or not high school in like middle school, I played the trumpet uh, for a little bit, but now, um, you know, I can play like mandolin, banjo, not great, but enough to get around and record with um, harmonica. I, I play a lot of harmonica with the guitar, um, drums, bass. Um, so pretty much like kind of whatever I need to, to, to record with, but as far as like the extensive instruments, like string production, I do all on the piano. So I can't necessarily mm -hmm. play the violin or, you know, play like the cello, but um, with technology, it's great. Cause I can just, what I'm hearing, I can compose via keyboard. A one man production studio. That's it. Kind of similar to the same thing, getting back to that, uh, me getting into photography and, and video because I couldn't find anyone like to do all this. And I think it was the same in music production. I was like, I hear this particular sound in my head, but like nobody I knew was really recording. I had like a friend I recorded his house, but like no one could put what I was hearing in my head down. And that's why I really got into it and started fiddling around. Back to when you started to record at what, 12 years old? Walk me through that process. How did you start and get into production at that age? At 10 years, 11 years old-ish, I was recording at a friend's house and um, he had a bunch of stuff, but I was always like, I was real serious about it at that age. And he was always like, oh, I don't have time or like something. And, you know, it was always like, I was trying to make these windows to like record with him and wouldn't really get anywhere. And so for that, another Christmas, my grandma, my dad's mom would always give us really big gifts uh, for Christmas, super fortunate. And she was like, what do you want? I was like, something to like record my music. So there was a local, wasn't even, they didn't have Apple stores back then. It was just like a computer store. 
and uh, they had uh, uh, Apple PowerBook, I think it was called. It was like one of the first like MacBooks. This is a giant hunky thing. And um, they had this interface with it. And it was like this little like music setup at this computer store. And this guy's like, yeah, this is like a production thing. Like you can record music. It came with this little like MIDI uh, keyboard and everything. And um, I got it all, got Logic uh, as the program. And I took it home and um, had a little manual because there wasn't really, like, I couldn't really find much about, nowadays you go on YouTube, like how to record this software, like, you know, but back then I, it was, you just had to like figure it out. Um, and I was an awful reader, still am. So I would just, I just kind of figured it out. Like everything was messed up. Everything was clipping. It was just like a mess, but at least I was getting my creative idea out and getting it down. Um, and I always struggled up until like, probably like two or three years ago, I always struggled with quality. Um, I would get the ideas down and stuff, but the quality is awful. Like everything was clipping and stuff. And um, like going back to like, I, I like being good at things and I wanted to be in full control of my music. And I was like, I'm making a goal. Like I want to release music I'm producing in my house. And uh, since I had that goal, I released a song called Holy Water and then uh, a live recording, which wasn't really crazy production of a song for my daughter. Um, in that year and I, I feel like I got pretty good I just I took a couple online courses and uh, just researched and I just like dedicated like two months to just how to produce and get the great quality and I finally realized oh you record at negative six decibels not zero and higher like that was so new to me so but not getting into the specifics but um, yeah so I started getting really really good at producing my own things and then I felt a sense of like pride and, and control over it because I think it, it all leads back to that you can record with friends and you know I've recorded at other places and you kind of lose that control um and I think being an artist and and somebody who's like as creatively driven as me control is a big factor in the end product of the sound it's hard to let go when when you don't feel like it's totally like there totally like your your baby do you remember the first song you wrote I do it was called one and two in <laughs> and it was basically this picking pattern um that i was taught and it was like these three notes and the first lyrics i was like one and two and three and four and one and two and wow. three and that was kind of the first song i know pretty heavy stuff <laughs> um and uh but from there i wrote a song called walking along these train tracks it was like walking along these train tracks mid-afternoon and it kind of just like it was just this like happy-go-lucky thing. And uh, at that time when I really started writing was like 12, 13, I was listening to like Jack Johnson and like a lot of these really cool, like chill kind of like artists, these like happy tunes. And so I was writing from this. I mean, you're like 12, 13, 14 year old kid. Like everything's just kind of like, oh, I give no cares. And so I was writing these like real, like almost like bubbly, sunshiny, lyrically based type songs because I hadn't had any like heartbreak yet mm. or like any life altering that you know what I mean I'm yeah, just yeah. like I'm just you know my mom's making dinner every night I'm playing hockey like it was just like you know you were kind of writing you're almost like making up story like fun stories so it was like a lot of the lyrics and a lot of like the early songs are just like super like upbeat and kind of about nothing and a lot of the times and I still do when writing I, I ramble things and sometimes like when you ramble like a lyric kind of comes out you're like, oh, that was cool. It flows well. Like maybe I can make something out of that. It's almost like a puzzle. And you're like, well, how can I fit this idea into this song? Like, does it work in the story? And sometimes 
sometimes if you even have a whole story in the song and you mumble something and it like sounds cool and it's like you feel it you're like I gotta re I gotta make the story fit this lyric now and so I've rewritten entire songs based on just something wow. I jumbled out um organically which is pretty pretty wild getting into the mind of Josh Herbert walk me through <laughs> your songwriting process I don't do much songwriting currently with the little one life kind of changed a little bit um but my my usual songwriting setup I've got a real nice desk everything's nice and clean everything's organized um I make a real nice black coffee sit down I have my little notebook and a lot of the times I go into sessions um you know by myself or with other people kind of with an idea or a mood or like how you feel um and I'll kind of go in there usually with like an inspirational song like that I'm inspired by not like inspirational but something I'm inspired by um and I'll kind of play it you know in the background and I'll be like okay what's that tempo that's a cool maybe that's why I like it that's like a cool vibe and I'll kind of go from there and I'll start like hashing out whether it's guitar first or maybe a beat and kind of like go from there so it's always it's always very music based rarely do I have like a lyrical idea I'm like oh I'm gonna write a song about this it's it's 94 five to 99 percent music based first and then like the lyrics start mumbling out and the vibe starts coming together so it kind of starts off as this like real um laid back relaxing um it, it's a great outlet for me and it's almost like this meditative and i feel really organized and i, I feel really um me i feel really like mm -hmm. myself when i when i sit down um just with me my music and um it's it's just like a really great experience um similar to like running it's you know a little bit different obviously but um it's just this time with myself you know that's just it brings a lot of value to mm -hmm. my life and and who i am wow i love that man how did you start with vocals and singing i, I guess when i picked up the guitar you know i started like mumbling stuff when i was playing and um obviously not the best singer and still up to i test i'm not a very great singer. I mean, I'm okay and I can carry a tune, but there was always, I always wanted to be in front. Like I, you know, as soon as I started playing, I was like, I want to be like the lead, you know, I want to have control of this. It's a back to like that control thing. Like I mm -hmm. want to be, I want to play the music I want to play. Um, and it was kind of like, I never, never really, pa you know, cross paths with anyone who was like, I'm the singer. Everyone would always be like, look to me. Like when I was in my bands and stuff, like, well, Josh can sing, you know, and so I, I think that's kind of like how I, I kind of like nestled into it and then got more comfortable with it. Um, didn't really, even on tour, I was still kind of self-conscious about my voice because I was going on this professional tour and I kind of had this like Bruce springsteen -y, I'm not that gravelly, but like not, not like a phenomenal like Aretha Franklin or something, you know what I mean? Like not this skilled, trained singer. Um, and it took me a long time to gain confidence in the fact that it's not about how good you are as a singer how many vocal runs you can do or something like that it's about you and your unique story that you're projecting out and nobody can replicate my voice and any singer will tell you probably like they hate their voice because it is so weird hearing yourself back outside of your head and i've spent i mean extensive hours listening to myself because like doing revisions of songs and stuff and so I got kind of like numb to that in a way. And um, I started to, you know, as I got older, I was like, well, I'm not, I'm not like a technically skilled singer, but it just works for what 
I do. And I do these like kind of like acoustic rock type things. And, you know, if you like it, you like it. If you don't, you don't. And, uh, you know, it was, it was never, you know, I, I didn't like lose hope in that in a way. Like I was always like, well, this is me now. And if you like my music, you'll like it because, you know, it's a unique voice that I have. And, you know, it's kind of how it kind of projected out. Do you work with a vocal coach? No, I never did. Uh, well, actually, I, I shouldn't say never. I did uh, about two lessons with this uh, local lady and she was like an opera singer. And she sent me home with this like Broadway, sorry, Broadway singer. She sent me home with this like play to watch on like VHS or it was a DVD or something. And I was like, what? Is, like, I don't want to do this. Like nothing against it. I was just like, I wouldn't be like this rock guy. I'm like, what? I, I don't want to be on Broadway. And I came in the one time and I was like, yeah, I want to like sing like this. And I brought in like a rock song or something. And she was like, oh, well, I'm not the teacher for you then. And she literally quit on me. And I was like, okay, whatever. It was weird. Um, and so I only did like two singing lessons and then everything else I kind of learned by doing, like just singing more and more and more um, and trying to emulate people I liked and people I listened to and try to emulate their, their vocals um, and sing along with the songs and just, really really like just listen and listen and listen um until i really noticed like i was starting to emulate some of the things they did um with their vocals we're doing a lot of reminiscing here do you have yeah. a favorite memory or highlight thus far as an artist probably playing um here at our local uh it was like the starlight pavilion here in pittsburgh it's like the outdoor um place because when I was, my first concert actually was a Coldplay concert. And um, I went there and I was actually, I think I was 15 years old um, and it was at that venue. And I had a girlfriend at the time and it was real weird. We had like a weird like fight or something. And I found myself wandering by myself, like away from my friend group and stuff. And Chris Martin came on Coldplay and I think he played Clocks. And it was just like, I had this connection. I was like, one day I'm gonna play on that stage. And you know, fast forward, um, I was playing on that stage and it was so cool because all my friends, all my family came to support me. It was a beautiful sunny day. Um, it was literally a dream come true. Um, and I think more so than the fact like, wow, like this was like a crazy weird goal of mine. Somehow I got here and I'm playing music in front of people. It was the fact that like everyone came to support me. Like it wouldn't have mattered if I played it at the Starbucks down the road or something. Um, and I didn't really realize that till like now you know fast forward like it's almost been six years um at the time i was like oh it's so cool like everyone's gonna think this is so cool but um when you really look back on stuff that's like what i take from it that's what was important the people who came and, and showed up to show their support which is awesome really cool being so pittsburgh rooted walk me through that experience for you to branch out in my dna just how i've always been i'm a home bird i love it here uh, we live in the, I live in the suburbs of Pittsburgh, I always have family ties here on both sides um, of the family. I've just always felt a, a sense of safety, but um, like a sense of love for where I come from in the city and sports teams and just the people here, um, just super awesome people. And I always had, I always struggled traveling um, with anxiety and even going away for long periods of time. Um, but that was the name of the game. If I wanted to get better and pursue music, you have, I mean, you can't, you're not going to make it in Pittsburgh, um, for as much as I did achieve being here, um, the internet had a lot to do with that because I could be everywhere. Um, so my friend moved to Lower East Side, um, New York, and he was a producer. He actually grew up in my neighborhood and was in my bands here and there growing up. 
and uh, it was him and another producer and they had this awesome place. It was like above a bistro on uh, Rivington and Suffolk, uh, right on the corner and uh, lived on their couch. Uh, it was a really small, like two bedroom walk up apartment for months at a time. Like it was like, I went there in the winter one year and then I went the following year in the summer and just kind of like wrote music, produced, um, was still pursuing stuff, you know, on YouTube. And uh, it was really cool just like, kind of growing too as a person like living in New York and I was like 23 24 years old at the time um but ultimately was like ah this just isn't working so I came back to Pittsburgh I just felt this like magnetic energy to come back home started working for my family business while pursuing you know the music and then um got the Texas opportunity went there for a week and then after tour I had the opportunity to like, Hey, we want you to write songs. We want to, you know, do an album and stuff. And so I was getting all these comp trips uh, to hopefully solidify a publishing deal um, to help pay for my music career. So I could continue writing music for other people and myself. So I was still living in Pittsburgh at the time and working for my family business and taking trips. So I would drive to Nashville as a nine hour drive. And um, I took about four trips and, it was great. And I learned a lot and I was writing with awesome people who've written hit songs for hit, you know, hit artists. And, but I wasn't making any money. Everything was getting paid for, but I had a, you know, a townhouse here, a spot I was living at with my friend. And I was like, I'm running out of money. And it just like, I was just like, maybe, you know, this is, maybe it's just not for me. You know, I, maybe I peaked, you know, doing this and kind of, kind of fell into like a little bit of like a, not a depression, but like a little bit of like, oh man, like I'm coming to terms with like how hard the music is. Like I thought when I went on tour, I was like, this is it. Okay. Mm. Everything's aligned. Like sweet. You know, now I'm going to make millions of dollars doing music. And that just wasn't the reality. And it's not the reality for gosh, like 90% of artists. It's, it's a grind. You know, even if you're a successful artist, it's still a grind to stay, you know, in the limelight and stay relevant. Um, So yeah, I kind of came back to home and just started like, uh, moved in with my fiance at the time, who's now my wife. <clears throat> and uh, we lived together and I was still kind of pursuing music and just working these odd end jobs, menial jobs, and still wasn't really giving up on the music. And, um, you know, it wasn't until uh, we both lost our jobs. I had like a, I was working at a smoothie shop and the company that owned the smoothie shop owned real estate and owned the building. And then I started working for them. It was like my first real corporate <laughs> job. And lost the job a year later. Everyone lost their jobs, unfortunately. But in that moment, TikTok was a thing and never in a million years would I have thought that would have been my career path. But it's just crazy how we fell into it. That's wild, man. Which is a perfect segue. You and Abby, TikTok sensations. Let's talk about how you met. This was 2014, I think. Uh, I was looking... I came out with a song that I'd recorded called Everything's All Right, spelled all weird for some reason. I probably thought it was cool. I don't know, it's on YouTube. But um, I had a really good friend who's still a great friend of mine. He's a photographer, director, awesome, very talented. And uh, he was shooting my music video. And we we're shooting around Pittsburgh. And I was like, I need a girlfriend, you know, for my music video. He had a contact with the local modeling agency in Pittsburgh and, you know, contact them. And they sent like, you know, five or 10 girls like headshots over and he's like, Hey, we might be able to get like one of these girls to be your girlfriend from music video. And he sent him. And as soon as I saw Abby, I was like, that one, I was like her, try to get her. And, uh, lo and behold, we started shooting the video and, uh, it was the first day of shoot. And it was at a 
was at this house like kind of near Pittsburgh and Abby was already there and she was up in one of the upstairs rooms like getting ready and uh I was walking up the stairs and she was laughing it was really weird and I tell this to a lot of people it was as if I'd I recognized her laugh and I'd known it it was like this weird feeling I got um and finally like went up like met her it was like so cool and she was really like laughing and giggly I think she was kind of nervous and um it was just like really fun and her mom was there like at the shoot and got to meet her and um we just had like a connection and all the people on the shoot we kind of had this like mutual friend group and um Abby and I kind of like stayed in touch um for like the next two years or so and she was kind of at a different point in her life um she was uh, younger than me and it was like kind of going on to like looking at colleges and I had already been through college and back and um so we we're at two different points but there was just like this really cool connection there um between the two of us and um then like fast forward like two years like we remained in contact a little bit like here and there just like social media stupid stuff and like mm -hmm. you know commenting funny things and I had asked her out on a date um, and she, like two years later after this video and 20 minutes before she was supposed to come over, we we're going to go out to dinner. She's like, oh, sorry, my friend's having a party. I'm not going to make it. And dude, I was like, I hadn't been on a date in a long time because it was just like all music. I was so nervous and she just like didn't come. And I was like, oh, I'm done with her. I was like, never again. And then that following week, I was like, I'm going to try one more time. I was like, hey, you want to go like grab like to eat or something? And lo and behold, she came over um went out to eat and the following day I, I fell into some penguin hockey tickets for a penguin game I was like hey do you want to go and literally our second date we had known each other for a while like not great but like enough to you know be friendly with each other and I was like do you want to be my girlfriend and I just straight up asked her after the game and she was like yeah I'm in and yeah I just I, sh I shot my shot there you um, go yeah and uh yeah we she pretty much moved in with me um she she opted not to go to she was going to go to Ohio State and opted it just wasn't for her her modeling started taking off and uh, she was doing really well in that regard so uh, she moved in with me and my roommate actually uh, moved in with his now wife uh, at the same time so it was wow. just this weird timing of of things and we've uh, yeah we've been together ever since now walk me through you both in TikTok and being content creators it's kind of like you know after that like music kind of took a little hiatus. It was always there and I was always like still pursuing it. Abby was traveling a lot for modeling, like all over the world, actually, like Iceland and uh, France. And um, at the time I was working at a fresh pressed juice shop. I was like managing it and running it. And it was like, cool. You know, I was like, oh, I'm doing my music. I'm just like working at this juice place and just like hanging out. Um, and then things just kind of started getting more serious with Abby and I. And I was like, all right, I need like more money. You know, I, this isn't paying the bills. And you know, we had a townhome and stuff. And um, so I was like searching for something more serious. And I was like, maybe I got to take a break on the music for a little bit and find like a steady job. Um, so kind of bounced around from that job. It just like wasn't great. And um, I sold cars for a while. It was really like kind of down and kind of like miserable, to be honest. I just, you know, felt really low. It was like kind of a low point in my life because you're like having a, like a crisis, right? You're like music's like, not paying the bills. And then I was trying to figure out a job and longevity. Um, but then this new gym opened up and I had a background in making juices and they needed someone to run their like market cafe, uh, knew a contact there. So I, I got right in and started working there and from the ownership, um, got like a real estate job with my family background of like home building and real estate. And that was my first like big boy salary, not big boy job, but like, you know, real, real job. Um, and, uh, it was, it was a good job and I learned a lot and uh, Abby was still traveling like crazy for modeling. And then 
um, because of the turn of the world, we both lost our jobs and uh, Abby wasn't traveling anymore for modeling. And um, I was jobless. And so we were both trying to like figure out like, what are we going to do, you know? And um, at, at that time, like a month before that, Abby started doing these TikToks. And I was like, oh, not another, not another like app. Right? I was like, yeah, I was like done with this. And even like putting music on, on these apps, I was kind of just like over it. And I was kind of like burnt out because I've like tried so long with Facebook and all these other Instagram and all these other apps trying to push my music and just kind of got kind of complacent in my life. And um, she just kept like posting these things. And what she noticed were the ones of me kind of being myself, like kind of like sad, I'm kind of sassy and, you know, do all this like weird stuff. And people loved it and it wasn't the tiktok to her like and she's beautiful and stuff but it were the ones that i was on stealing the spotlight a little bit yeah yeah so there was like something there and um you know it was like i still had my corporate job at the time we started it and like some of my colleagues were like oh mr tiktok you know it was like that <laughs> kind of thing i was like oh god like no like people are watching this um and it wasn't until um i was like wow like there's something here and we started getting companies reaching out to us like Hey, we'd like to pay you to do this. And I'm like, wait a second. What? Like, so cool. And you see, you see, uh, influencers and stuff. And I was always like, how do they make money? Like, this is ridiculous. Like you just think they're, they just don't do anything, which is not the case as you know, in social media and content creation, it's a lot of work. And, uh, so I actually re I just Googled TikTok, uh, management agencies. And I was just like searching because I was trying to find like, okay, there's got to be some sort of like establishment or somebody who can help. And I found this company called Talon X who we're signed with uh, today and uh, called them and they're like, Oh, we know who you guys are. We love your TikToks." and uh, sent everything over. And we signed with them and then just like, boom, we started getting these jobs rolling in um, and just started to really progress into this like animal that Abby and I never in a million years would have dreamed this would be our, uh, our life. And uh it's wonderful. It's a lot of work. It's 24 seven. Um, but we love it. And, you know, at the end of the day, I think a lot of people, a lot of the messages are like, your, your videos are funny. You know, they bring a lot of joy to my day. And at the end of the day, like, that's, that's awesome that that can do that. You know, and sometimes it's, it's tough, uh, recording videos all the time and trying to be on all the time. Um, but when you think in the grand scheme of things, and I think of where I was and these jobs that I was miserable at, now I'm working for myself, making content with my wife, my best friend. It's like, you have to kind of like focus on that. Um, and it makes it really fun and, and really valuable. We've talked about you as a musician, singer, songwriter, content creator, influencer, an athlete. Walk me through your fitness journey now. Yeah. So it was uh, like last year I built a garage gym. So I just got a bunch of equipment and stuff. And I was like, I want to get like real buff. <laughs> that was like my goal. So um, I was lifting like every morning, like 5 a.m., just like going down there. Um, and two, I had a goal. I was like, I want to be in the best shape of my life for being a dad. Like I was being a dad, expecting my daughter. And um, I was really like, I want to be just like awesome, you know, when she comes into the world. So she'd be like, that's my dad, you know, in a, in a way. And so I just had this like drive under me to just get in great shape, start eating better, drinking less and um, achieve that. And then from there, it was like, okay, you know, I'm, I'm still lifting and stuff. And then when the summer rolls in, like I love running and, and doing other things. And I think it's important to mix up your workouts. And then um, I've always been competitive. And I had a friend uh, who's like, yo, I think I'm going to do an Ironman. 
like, do you want to do it with me? And I was immediately like, no, <laughs> no, no. I just like enjoy going on a run. Like, I don't want to do that. And two, the anxiety, like, I don't, I can't swim. Like, I didn't know how to like float in a pool and doggy paddle, but like, I don't know how to swim in open water. No, thanks. And um, so there was a lot of these things and I've never achieved anything in my life without pushing through fear, pushing through anxiety. Cause on the other side can be these beautiful things. And he's like, come on, man, just like do it with me. And I kind of like was like, well, I'm not really doing much music right now because being a dad, full-time content creator, but I am working out regularly. So like might as well train for something could be fun. I like biking. Um, the swimming part was a little scary and uh, found this cool team of uh, guys who are coaches who've been doing multiple marathons um, and Ironmans and got with them. And they were like, yeah, man, like it's not much more than you're already doing um, regularly anyway. And it's a cool different type of training. Um, so I got into that. Uh, we booked the Ironman. And so I've been training for two months now. And I have to say, I'm pretty, I'm a pretty awesome swimmer for never knowing how to swim. Like the first day, dude, it was, I was struggling. I drank so much pool water. <laughs> but now it's all good. It's actually become one of my favorite exercises, swimming. I never would have thought that. Um, I love it. It's awesome. What do you like most about running? For me, it's, it's this... Um, it almost rips off this facade of stress, anxiety, whatever's going on in your life. I uh, get back to like med meditative, but it's almost is like a meditative thing, even though you're moving. But for me, it's like this creative meditative thing because every thought in motion, right, is like something brewing. And when you're running, you're in your body's in motion. You're at this like frequency, I feel like, where you can think clearly, you know, you can listen to your music, you can kind of break away if you need to. And for me, it's just been this um, breath of fresh air in a way where if I go out on the run, if I'm having like a really bad day, I can come back and feel great and feel just like relaxed and feel like I achieved something. And it's just like this freeing kind of feeling. I feel like detached from all the worries and, and anxiety in the world for a little bit, whether it's a two mile or a 10 mile run. I just feel this like really relaxing, like I'm in this abyss of creativity and and. I, I really get this endorphin, you know, all your endorphins are flowing, but sometimes I listen to songs and I, I'm seeing the world through a different lens. Thing, grass is green. I'm colorblind, but the grass is greener. The sky's bluer. I too have found now I'm a better person for, from running. It makes me a better person because it makes me feel better inside and out um, about myself, which in turn makes everyone around me better who I'm around. Does Abby go out on a run with you? No. <laughs> no <laughs> she um no she she actually uh she broke her back fractured her back in high school she was a really good basketball player um and so she's always had like a little bit of like pain and running really just it really hurts her back so she does like other types of like pilates and stuff that's a little less like impacting um on her back but we'll go on a lot of walks together especially with our daughter and so we, we find the time that way to be outside together which is great does she still play basketball? So yeah, she'll, yeah, she'll still go. She still has it. Like she crushes me. We'll play like horse and stuff. And she just, she drains, she drains them from every position. She's really good. That's so cool, man. We can wrap it up here. What's next for you? What do you have going on? Yeah. So exciting news. Uh, we're going to be building a home. So that's kind of been the big news. Um, through the past like year, we were working on getting a loan and the loan process uh, can be kind of difficult, especially working for yourself. Um, self-employed so uh, luckily everything's kind of working out in our favor and we've got some really cool plans drawn up um, we're going to be documenting the whole thing so it's going to be really cool um, we're excited hopefully breaking ground in like may possibly 
um, depending if we can get everything. So that's kind of next. Um, we've got a lot of travel planned, um, you know, West Coast, East Coast, um, as far as like vacations and for our job. Um, so excited to do that and kind of fearful because I don't like to fly, but that's another thing we get, we get through. I've flown a lot. So um, that's kind of what's next and um, just kind of keep building our social media, um, you know, the aspect of social media and keep building our TikTok and our YouTube and, um, you know, keep driving things. Nice. Well, congratulations on the home. Thank you. Such a great story, man. And I really appreciate you sharing. Yeah, man, I'm glad we, we found our paths and our paths have crossed. And uh, thank you for having me on. It's been great. Yeah, man, for sure. And that's a wrap. Stay tuned. More to come. As always, stay for the stories.